Sweden want to be the only organisation that's still in in 19 you know 40s mentality. We're in the 2020s now. Um, we're in a totally different world, and it's a world that appreciates difference and values diversity. Kiora, I'm Troy here as CEO, and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry, and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. This is part one of speaking with Dr. Joe Tirito, who is the Deputy Director Māori and Kaihotu Mātauranga Māori for Ako Aotearoa, the New Zealand Centre for Tertiary Teaching Excellence. His brief is to promote Māori learner success focused on providing professional learning development for educators across the whole tertiary sector. Amine. Back to you, Kim. Kia ora, for their atakua beginning. Um, I think most appropriate to start, Joe. Ko wai koe no hea koe. Hi, kia ora koe, Kim. Um, ko wai au, ko taku e ngoa ko Joseph Selwyn Terito. Uh, uh, no rungo mai wahine me ngāti kahungunua hau. I whānau ake au i roto i te hohipera o te wairoa. Katipu ake au i roto o rongomaihuahine i oraka, i te mahia, ki a rimaku tau, nā kahunuku mātou ki heretau ngā ki o māhu, ka noho ai au i reira, kia pakeke au. Hoi anō nā kutipuna, nā taku kuraua, nā basta, rāua ko taku kuia a te muri, a hau i whāngai, mai te wai e pipi ana hau kia pakeke atu au. Nā reira, koinei, Ngā kōrero mōku, he maha no atu. There's lots more to, uh, to my background than that, but essentially, that's my name, Joe. I'm, it's, I'm called Joe Terito, um, and I'm a rongo mai wahine Ngāti Kahungunu, and I acknowledge that you, um, by your name, Nugent, Nugent, that you also rongo mai wahine, so that's Tāua Tāua, uh, Kia ora Tāua, um, descendants of our famous ancestress, the mother of the whole Kahungunu tribe, of course, too, which is something people forget. And Kurahopo, that's our other waka on our Rungomai Wahine side. Nā reira, kia ora koutou, kia ora tātou katoa. No, kia ora, Joe. I mean, I have to say, when I found out that we had those connections, it was just a really beautiful way to connect in with other people and to understand this mātauranga that you hold more because it felt deeper for me. So it's nice to know that we're whānau. Mm. Um, so I'd love to know a little bit more about you, Joe, and, and briefly what your background is in the tertiary education field um, yes. and, and in the sector today. Okie dokie. Well, um, I was really fortunate, just going back to my grandparents who have been brought up by, by my grandparents in Mahia and then later in Omahu, uh, because they spoke Māori, they had 13 children of their own and 56 grandchildren. I'm one of 56 grandchildren. I feel really blessed that I've got such a big whānau. Um, and so we moved to Hastings, I went to Omahu School, went to Hastings Boys High and followed my mates off to university at Victoria University. And none of our family had gone to varsity before, so it was, um, it was a new experience for our family. So I completed my BA there, went on to do secondary school teacher training, taught at Terrell High School for three years. Um, and then I, I, I got, oh, what did I do then? But um, Teachers College, yes, um, 
Then I went back home and taught at Terriel High School for a while, taught overseas for a while. But essentially, eventually I came back to came back home and got a job at Hawke's Bay Polytech at the time. And I ended up becoming head of Department of Māori Studies there. And I stayed there for 17 years. And so that's really my, you know, my, I'm just saying these things because it gives me an ability to speak um, in an informed manner, if you like, about the tertiary sector from my 17 years there. We set up a, uh, a BA Māori degree followed by an honours degree. Uh, we set up Radio Kahungunu as a student radio station in our first days the, under the, um, the uh, Bicultural Media Studies course, Te Tua Takitini. Um, and so the, today that radio is still going today. I'm the uh, founding chair and 33 years later we, we've relocated to, relocated to Hastings and we're still broadcast from there. It's really, really important because uh, what it's done, the radio has had a major part to play in the bringing the language back into our households through our whole tribal district. Um, you know, after the loss of many of our grandparents from our homes and, and no, no language modelling in our homes, the radio was another way to bring back the, uh, the sound of our language, even if it was sort of on in the background, subliminal listening and learning. It was a way to reacquaint our ears, our people's ears, and strengthen their knowledge of, of the real Māori. So that all has come about through my tertiary experience. But, you know, back from my own marae of Omahu, um, in 1990, we ran, a, um, we rebuilt our new dining room, Rua uh, Tapuahine, and it's a big uh, concrete block structure with steel girders. So you guys of the uh, heavy metal industry will understand that. We built that in one year. It's a very tall structure. It's got a high roof line, and uh, but we project managed the whole thing itself uh, ourselves, and we fundraised, and it was built in one year, and we would left debt free at the end of it but uh to enable us to do that again we we used uh we relied on the labor department who provided funding for us to run two maxis schemes of two loss of six people 12 people and then we had a restart scheme which was for trades people who were unemployed so we had these six guys came and came to our marae each day and they supervised the training of our 12 people and the actual they were the laborers and we built our our building in, in that one year and opened it in 1990 so it's huge it can sit 4,500 uh, building uh, people, um, and of course we're no longer cooking over the the, the 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 firewood fire. We're cooking using gas and electricity, so it's all flesh. But it sort of it leaves behind some some of the old ways of whereby people sat around the fire and talked into the night and so so those are some of the losses with you know with innovation. But at least we've got a building that's nice and strong. Um, and it cater, can cater for all our whānau, for all our occasions, tangis, birthdays, and huge, uh, huge government hui that we've held at Omahu Marae. So, so that's my, in that regard, that's some of my background. But more specifically, after leaving EIT, I, um, I moved to Auckland. I got a job at Māori Television as uh, manager of Rio and Tikanga there. I lasted there only four months and I moved on. I'd sort of established all the, uh, the policies relevant to the, relative to the Rio. And I actually went back to varsity because I'd started my PhD sort of about seven years before that. And because I was working full time, I never got a chance to uh, finish it. But seeing I was in Auckland and my supervisor was Ranginui Walker, professor, and he was my guru. You know, I really admired him and I wanted him to be my supervisor. And I ended up being his last PhD student. And so I was in his course of uh, politics and culture for Māori and, and Aotearoa. And so um, so he sort of had a major impact on me and in my thesis. My PhD thesis was about Natinamanu Omahu and our, the whole evolution of our community and impacts and the struggles for transformation that we face. But I won't um, delve there. But while at Auckland University, I got a job with Ngāpai Te Maramatanga, the Māori Centre of Research Excellence, <coughs> under the likes of Linda Smith, um, Graham Smith, Michael Walker, Tracy McIntosh. These were um, Charles Royal, who were directors of Ngāpai Te Maramatanga. So that's, the, that's one of sort of about eight or so centres of research excellence, but it was the only Māori one. But it wasn't just given. We had to vie for it and, you know, apply alongside everybody else in the Royal Society for the funding. But I was there for 11 years and I completed my PhD there, um, you know, 
reasonably quickly. And then I had a job uh, as running the international conferences, knowledge exchange, which is all the publications and all that stuff, video material. But it was a fabulous job, but we was kind of restructured. Um, at a certain time, and so I moved on, and I got this other job with Akua Aotearoa, and I was really fortunate because it's a Wellington-based job, and I live in Auckland, but they en enabled me to live, still live in Auckland, and I used to travel there just about every week at the beginning, you know, about six years ago I started, and it used to drive me, I loved it at first, but it drove me crazy having to fly every week, <laughs> and I love it now that um, Zooming is really quite a regular part of life now, and I actually work from home. I don't have to travel to an office in town and suffer road rage and all the rest of it. Um, but I work from home full time, and I really, really love, love, love it. Um, but that enables me to connect. We're so used to Zooming, Zoom meeting now that it's just, you know, it's just very normal. And um, so then, so I'm, you know, as as part of today's discussion, I'd sort of like to talk about some of my work in Aquaotearoa um, um, and what we do for professional development in, in terms of the tertiary education sector. Mm. Wow, such an amazing <laughs> and varied background. It's it's just it's actually really mind blowing to to hear everything that you've been able to achieve in your time and still are continuing to achieve. I know that you must feel so proud about some of the projects that you've worked on and the long lasting footprint that they will have for future generations to come. So it is really beautiful work that you have been doing. And some of the things that you've just mentioned really resonated with me, in particular, the loss of te reo Māori and some of our whānau, my whānau included. Um, my grandmother had beautiful reo, uh, but she was absolutely against speaking it with myself, with her children, mm. because yes. it was kind of beaten out of her. And yes. I remember I went on a journey need to learn reo at school and I used to try and practice with her and she'd be, she, yes. she would not encourage it. She said, oh, that'll get you nowhere. Māori, speaking Māori will get you nowhere, Kim, don't do it. Uh, and so it is sad and I am mm. still trying to reclaim that for myself. Yeah. And so I always feel inspired to speak to people like you who have such beautiful language um, and knowledge to share. Um, and yeah, I just think it's really exciting that we're in a place in time now where it's okay to speak to reo Māori again uh, and that people are on that journey to reclaim their reo as well. And the work that you have, do, have done and are continuing to do is really important and empowering more Māori to take up that, that challenge. So, mm. you know, thank you for that. It's lovely to hear that kōrero of what you have done. I guess, you know, in your current role that you're doing at the moment, what do you think the importance of this work is for you in terms of, I guess, the relevance of te tiriti or waitangi mm. uh, in all of these aspects yeah. in the mahi you're doing? But just to come back to your question then um, about the importance of these, uh, you know, like te tiriti or waitangi, if I can just start there and then I'll sort of work down to the importance of mātauranga Māori and te reo Māori sort of Papa down, if you like. I mean, the Education Act uh, 2020 reminds us all of the importance of the Treaty of Waitangi, and um, and you know we have Tomaitereo strategies, and so those have been all uh, instigated by the Labor Depart uh, government um, at this time. And I'm I'm really really pleased to see those. And of course, the, the Act, that Education Act, calls upon um, tertiary education throughout, you know, from primary through to tertiary level to ensure that the proper um, accord be, regard be given to the Treaty of Waitangi and also in its implementation. And so it's really, really neat um, to see with Te Pukenga, the, 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 you know, and for this to happen, we need, it can be all theoretical, but the thing, exciting thing for me about it, Kim, is that now it's being populated with Māori people all the way through the system. Because for, for a long time, you know, it's it's been sort of um, from words on, on the lips of people that, you know, Māoris are going to be in the system. But really what, it, what happened is that we had people at senior levels and people at sort of quite... Um, 
junior levels, if you like, but all that area in between, it wasn't populated by our people who are sitting face-to-face -face in a partnership uh, situation with our you know, non-Māori partner, treaty partner. So um, it's really, really important that, uh, it's really, really significant that the, that the treaty is so, so um, uh, important, you know, so prominent in their lives. We as Aku Aotearoa, we, uh, we deem ourselves a treaty-led institution. We are kind of um, nestled in uh, as an entity under Massey University because we can't get funding, funding unless it's through uh, one of those tertiary institutions. But we operate in our own right and, um, you know, Messi are treaty-led, and so we've taken their, their lead, and we are a treaty-led institution, and, and increasingly we are implementing that. Uh, you know, there are things like we have, um, you might have seen our Tuyatiako series of webinar series, which were treaty-based uh, presentations by the likes of uh, Professor Margaret Mutu and others. But, you know, even within us, it's operationalising the treaty in the workplace. And, you know, we do things like have every Monday morning, I have a 15-minute Reo Tikanga lesson at quarter past nine to half past nine with, with the staff. And we all join from Zoom. There's about 25 people from across the nation who will join. And we have karakia. We might sing a himine or a song. Uh, and then I've been doing Reo lessons. And this has been happening for about three years. But what's really exciting at the moment is something that I really love is that um, I put a rangi or a tune to the, the text of Te Tiriti o Waitangi. And um, I'm starting it to, uh, for the last four weeks or so, I've been starting, to, I've been teaching it to our staff who are a mix, you know, and how how more perfect than to teach it to a mixed group of people. It's not all Maoris, like we've got uh, people of Russian descent, Samoan, Fijian, um, you know, a range of nationalities or ethnicities in our staff, and we're all learning. I'll just give you a sample of how it goes. And, and oh, it's just, uh, and, and so I've selected a certain portion where we look at the three different articles. But of course, Queen Victoria speaks about them as being ture or laws. And, and you know, we hear the, the, all the dialogue discourses about articles and principles. But when you look at it, she says these ture. And the first first portion goes like this. Um, uh, Ko wikitoria te kuini o ingarani e mea tuana kinga rangatira o te waka minenga onga hapu o nuti rani me e ra rangatira tu e nei ture kakore roti anei. And that's the, the, just the very first, um, well, the first verse, if you like. And um, it's, you know, it's it's a challenge for the staff, but I've said to them, you know, you've had a e e o u and piko 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 toros songs and the baby stuff and the more advanced things like purene. But now I want to throw you into the deep end. And for me, this is a real exercise. Is more than it's a political exercise in in terms of their conscientization because, um, you know, they have under undergone uh, treaty training sessions. So as part of this work. Um, Kim, it's been really exciting because it's enabled us to, in our role as providing professional development learning for the tertiary sector. Um, next, this last year, we've had uh, an introduction to treaty, uh, a visual introduction, and we use this uh, book uh, by uh, Toby Mills, and it's 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 a comic book style, but it's really really neat because it it's non-text. You know, it's not text rich. It's got all these lovely cartoon characters, and and what it does, it, it, for those people who who get ha with a lot of words, they can see the pictures, and it tells the story. And so that's been the text, um, and it's it, like it's been a way to sort of break the ice, if you like, with people. We've worked with these treaty um, educators now. You know, when I was back in the EIT, like how many years ago? Twenty. 20 plus years ago, um, I remember that there were treaty trainers there and they used to, they started caucusing out uh, when they did uh, any training, they'd have the Pākehā separated from the Māori. And that was deliberate in order to stop cross-cultural -cult uh, conflict and it's to provide cultural safety. So this is what we're doing at the moment. For the last year, we've offered, I think we ran about 25 treaty introduction to treaty sessions um, courses. These are just half day. Um, online, 
and uh, in the tertiary sector, and we've had maybe 600 people have gone through that in the last year. And I love it because we've got wonderful feedback. I mean, you get you get the odd uh, negative, but by and large, 90% plus people are really happy with them. And we've relied on treaty trainers who I, I met as long ago as when I was back at EIT. And fortunately, there were the people like Mariana Pittman and Moana Jackson who were there right at the at the beginning of that. But they worked very closely with mainly uh, women, Pakeha women treaty trainers. And so we've we've enlisted their services, particularly Christine Herzog. Um, uh, Catherine Dulahanti, uh, that and Catherine uh, Heather came. These are the three main people who have been delivering this course over the last year. But with their help, we've we've developed three more treaty courses for this coming year that that we're offering. Um, they're reasonably cheap. I think our courses they're two hundred and ten dollars a pop for for people to enlist uh, on. Um, enroll on but the ones we're offering for next year which are the new ones are treaty for managers because we realize that um, in a lot of institutions it starts up the top there and it doesn't filter mm -hmm. down if the managers ain't got the picture then it's going to be harder to resource you know the resourcing won't necessarily filter down into the other echelons of the of the um, organization we have treaty um, in terms of racism under the under the uh, treaty um, to treaty and racism in education. Now, um, that speaks for itself. These are, this has come through with, uh, by consulting with these, these trainers and for them saying, this is what we think. Our main target group has been non-Māori uh, for obvious purposes, because we felt that's the group that needed to come, become um, informed as quickly as possible. So that's the second one. And the third one, uh, for next year is treaty for educators. Oh, we've got treaty for educators. Um, and what is the other one? Oh, treaty in regard to equity, treaty and equity mm. issues, because it's not just about equality. We talk about equity now. And, you know, the, the, the famous um, slide, the picture of two boys standing on, on um, looking over a fence and one's short and one's tall, I think, and one has to get on a box. That's the equity. He has to get on the box to look over the fence. Maybe that was the brown boy who needed the box to be able to view as well. So those those things are quite uh, powerful images. But that's a part of our rollout for next year. So I'm really, really pleased when I heard the podcast with Phil Alexander and his role as CEO of Hanga Aroro. I was really, really pleased to hear the strength, his strength and commitment to Te Treaty or Waitangi. So that's the treaty thing um, there. Kim, and I can just sort of keep raving on and move on to Matauranga Māori and Reo if you like, or do you want to have a little right. chance to break my... Um, cool, the, keep on okay. going. It's really, okay. really great. So that's <laughs> the, the treaty part. So we're really excited about that and, um, you know, because it's been a, a long time in the making. Oh, well, actually, it's been quite quick. We've actually made this happen quite quickly in the last, but it's been, in terms of New Zealand's history, it's been a long time in the making. And I think we are now, as a nation, we are actually mature enough to have these conversations. But again, um, you know, with the introductory ones, we we, we um, are um, setting up some next year only for Māori. You know, the introductory one where you have a Māori present presenter who may uh, facilitate partly in the language or totally, and that's to a Māori group. So Māori will open up and speak more frankly in, in their like group as, as other ethnicities would uh, would be able to openly speak, probably without the presence of Māori in their group. So this is all about open and frank and um, a caring discussion and planning for the future. But so moving on to the the uh, aspect of Mātauranga Māori, because that's a big that's big now. Matauranga Māori, I've chosen as my key word uh, for today's podcast. Um, and of course, Matauranga Māori is so overarching. It covers reo, it covers tikanga, it covers content. And um, so that basically means it talks about the whole Māori uh, knowledge systems, the traditional and I suppose modern two um, knowledge systems. And we find they're coming more and more to the uh, for and I've worked with people like Dan Hikurua at Ngāpai o Te Maramatanga, and he's a scientist and he was, you know, they're the guys who are pushing the whole thing that uh, Māori, Māori, uh, Māori 
cultural concepts uh, and Pākehā Western science, they can go together and they can cohabit and they can contribute to each other. And, you know, we're seeing this continually from all over the world. I, I viewed a, 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 um, a TV interview just this week between, it was with the, uh, uh, in Dubai, because of with the expo, and so we've had uh, Mikey Sherman, a Māori interviewer, who um, interviewed one of the sheikhs, and he was talking about the connect. So this is really good. You know, this Māori, our Māoriness and the treaty and Mātauranga Māori are things that the other parts of the world look to. And one of the amazing things was this guy had been here, you know, dressed in all his white uh, outfit, and, and, and he's been here, he's been in contact with us, and he was saying he was just amazed at the similarities between their people and ours, and that whole thing of even hongi, they, 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 that nose-pressing thing is something in, in their particular tribal culture. So they're really keenly interesting, uh, interested in us. And I think Māori continually on the world stage and on, you know, with the whole Indigenous, um, indigenous, you know, the, the rise up of Indigenous peoples across the world and also, you know, all this then Mātauranga, you know, their local Indigenous knowledge and their situations that sort of grown up out of the world, uh, out of the earth, um, that, that those are all sort of, um, it's, it's all kosher now too, you know, all, that's all important knowledge and to blend it in with Western science, um, there can only, only be one way but forward. So that's whole Mataranga Māori, so there's, there's a huge wealth of information. On our website um, at Akuaotearo, we've got a whole lot of research that we've conducted relevant to the tertiary sector and at the moment, um, and because we, we do, uh, we we're just actually renewing our research agenda at this moment, and we had a discussion with um, other people this morning um, looking at the wider educational research agenda. Um, but we uh, are looking, with, with our current research, we um, we built this, created this thing that called a Pataka Mātauranga for our Aotearoa website, where we're put all the Māori material, because at the moment, it, it, currently it's been scattered across and people didn't know what's where, so we put it all together and we're doing a tagging process. So with all of those uh, projects in there, we have keywords and people are going to be able to uh, press on the word Mātauranga Māori and it'll open up all the various uh, research reports. And we've got some fabulous stuff that's really relevant to, um, you know, Pacific Island, Māori and, and other neurodiverse um, learners as well. So we are increasingly, you know, we, 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 you know, covering, you know, the full gambit, if you like. Uh, we, we've launched a dyslexia-friendly quality mark. Our staff, I've just finished learning um, sign language. We've just had a six-week um, sign language course, just one hour a week, but um, eight of our staff have just completed the, the sixth lesson yesterday. So this is making us more aware of our learner needs across the, you know, across the, the, the tertiary sector. Uh, Māori, and of course, so that goes, comes down to tikanga Māori, and so we see tikanga being increasingly applied and becoming quite um, normalised uh, right across the sector, um, and people understanding now, just in terms of tikanga Māori and Mātauranga Māori, we also come um, offering these Māori cultural capability pathways, um, and uh, so this is outside of the treaty, but this is Kaupapa Māori stuff. So we have concentrated on four particular values of ako, manakitanga, whanaungatanga and rangatiratanga. And we have created online interactive modules and they're easy peasy. Um, and next year we're offering those. They've, they've been sort of sitting, uh, waiting. We've been just sort of fine-tuning them these years. But they will be offered and rolled out through Pathways Awarua. And I don't know if people know about Pathways Awarua, but you can go and do um, um, English language literacy modules on there, um, numeracy, driver's license. We've got the Pacific Cultural Capability uh, cultural centered pathways on there and in the Māori ones. So for the Māori ones, we've got these four pathways and people can register and do these uh, self-paced learning, go through these interactive, you know, like drag and drop exercises. The first one's about ako and pronunciation, how to say ako, ako ngā kai ako, all the, the derivation, other words um, arising from that word. They can see videos of people like um, Dr. Rose Pettit, who 
the daily Dr. Rose Rangimari, who passed away last year, videos of the likes of her and talking about Ako, and, and then we've got a whole lot of resources. And then so we've got people, we are hoping people will sign up for those in droves next year and we're setting it up so that people can undertake those and do an assignment at the end, a written, an easy peasy, reasonably easy assignment, submit it to us, we have a marker and if they pass, they'll get a digital digital badge. So that's what we're working towards. So ACO will kick off in April and then we'll open up the next pathway. I'm not sure if it's Manakitanga that'll open up in July. And so we're just progressively, uh, progressively opening up in October. We'll open up um, Rangatiratanga, and that's all treaty stuff to the Rangatiratanga. And then by early, by next year, we'll open up the fourth one, which is Whanaungatanga. And so this, so this is, because there's, you know, there's a whole lot of, there's various Māori cultural uh, bits and pieces around, but what what's really good about these is people come onto them as individuals and they just go through and they you know they get whole hard with it in five minutes they close it down and come back to it later and just carry on uh, but they're they're not they're not onerous but it, we need to people get into their minds the concept of ako um in, in the first instance that it's a two-way it's a learner and a teacher process um and that's quite fundamental and you know people need to learn to say ako not ako these sort of things um but that's fundamental to education is this concept of ako so those are the something to look forward we've got a pld flyers that'll be going out and for people who are interested but so that's the those are the things that are specific we don't run te reo maori classes as such uh, but there are um, umpteen online courses. You know, Massey runs mm -hmm. them themselves, but we don't run them for the public. So we're interested in the treaty, you know, at, at this level because I think it all needs to filter down, from, you know, from from there as it's done to clear the clear the cobwebs, fresh slate. Here we are, uh, you know, Maori and Pacifica. You know, still at the bottom of the the heap in terms of literacy and numeracy. That's a major thing that we need to try and uh, uh, kind of combat and to bring that up, to bring our people up to par. And so, equity, equitably, they're on the same page. So that's um, so that. But the Tereo Māori is in terms of the question, the importance of Tereo. It's 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 hugely important because in Antikanga. Nowhere else in the world do we have Te Reo Māori. We have Pacific Island, uh, Cook Island, Reo Māori, but none like here. And if it died here, like it nearly did in the 1970s, Richard Benton's research, Dr. Richard Benton, NZCR, 18% of Māori could speak Māori still in uh, 1974. Uh, the rest couldn't because we'd all urbanised. And the 18% were mainly Komata living rurally. So there was a huge groundswell. Um, I was a student in 1972 at Victoria University, and I was really fortunate. I just sort of struck there at the right time in life, and I became part of the Te Reo Māori Society. And um, in Wellington, we did petition drives and you know, tramp the streets, Kandala, those flash suburbs, and Porirua, Cannons Creek, mm -hmm. uh, collecting signatures. And so we ended up with 30,000 signatures. Went to Parliament on September the 14th, 1972. Um, and presented the petition asking for Te Reo Māori to be made available in schools. Um, I never thought, Kim, and this is a famous uh, line, it started with a kiss, never thought it would come to this. You know, like, I never thought when I was a student 49 years ago, what we were doing was going to have such major ramifications, implications for our country. And when I look around and I just see Te Reo Māori is just so hugely uh, prominent now, we're getting, a, you know, like at EIT, they, they've had hundreds of hundreds of non-Māori Pākehā people who are learning Te Reo, and I'm really immensely proud that this is, that people are valuing the Reo, and of course the Reo is the gateway to the tikanga and all the, the Mātauranga as well, so, you know, get, get the end with the Reo. So I'm really uh, proud of being part of the Te Reo Māori Society, and we work with Ngā Tamatoa, of course, to um, to present their petition. But that's that's all coming to fruition, and you know, so we subsequently we saw Kohanga Reo developing Tauriwhiri um, Te Reo Māori Māori Language Commission, and all these Māori television, all the radio stations. Um, you know, like we have twenty iwi radio stations, and so I'm really proudly uh, chairperson of Radio Kahunganu based in Hastings, although I live in Auckland, but I mean, um, Zoom enables 
that all that stuff to just carry on. So, um, yeah, so the Te Reo Māori is really important. Next year is going to be the 50th year of the petition, and I see the government has set it aside September 14, uh, no, uh, 20, 2022, as being a, a date of a, a day of special significance, which is, I don't know if it's going to be a public holiday like. Um, What's the stars in the sky? Matariki. One, what's the one called Matariki. Matariki? But it's going to be a major day of a celebration, the 14th of September. So um, I'm really, really proud to have been part of that. I mean, I'm, I'm not young anymore. So, you know, you were saying earlier, I've done all these things, but it's I've had the years to be able, you know, I've had time in my life and I've been really, I think I've been lucky to be in the right place at the right time and in with the right bunch of people. And, you know, I, I just sort of, I, maybe it goes back to my childhood, where I was uh, brought, up, brought up in Mahia, um, and you know, you know, it was prophesied. Actually, they prophesied for me uh, from. They used to do things like Bible readings uh, because they were ringatus back in those days in Mahia, and they were sort of heavy Maori. Um, um, it was quite, you know, there were a lot of constraints and tapus around, you know, the do's and don'ts with the Ringatū Church under Takoti, and that was very strong there. But it was, it was kind of scary too, you know. The tapu thing was quite overwhelming for some people. Um, but I, part of that process is that it was prophesied from the Bible that from my birthday they said, okay, when you grow up, you're going to be a minister, and I said. It hasn't quite worked out because I don't want to be a minister. You know, like I couldn't become, well, what kind of minister? I couldn't bear to be a minister of parliament because, you know, sorry, no more privacy. You know, you've got cameras chasing you around every five minutes. Uh, but I think I'm deemed to be the other type of minister, not of the cloth, but, you know, like I do prayers and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I do things like people are sick in hospital, I'll ring up and have a karakia on the, on the phone with them. Or, you know, like Zoom karakias are quite normalised now. But I've done like that doing karakia by text to someone who's in hospital or something. So I think, you know, the the the, the, you know, I was lucky to have all that sort of ingrained with me, the spiritual side of things. You know, it's not so I'm madly Christian or anything, but it's the belief in, a, in another greater being. And, you know, my prayers have changed. You know, New Zealand society has changed quite a bit now where before we can just do an ordinary Christian prayer, and that is quite normal. Now I have to think twice before I do Christian-style prayers in mixed uh, situations because some people may not be Christian, so I have to be aware of that. And so in those situations, sometimes it's better to have a, a traditional style karakia invocation like pakataka te hauki te uru rather than a praying to a greater being. But um, so, you know, so I'm, I'm mindful of that even with our staff that I have to be in, as inclusive as anything of everybody. So that's, um, yeah, that's that's a bit of a big download there, Kim. <laughs> Sorry. That's yes, annoying. well, I have to say, I um, yes, what, as you go through those ideas of tatiriti or waitangi, matauranga Māori, uh, tikanga Māori, you, you understand, you begin to understand the real importance that te reo Māori brings to all of those aspects because all of those things are wrapped up in, in our reo and how we share yes. because fundamentally that's how we passed on our knowledge is through through kōrero, through stories. Um, so you, you start to understand the importance of how they all interconnect together and you can't have one without the other. Um, yes, so you, you can't start learning or speaking to the old Māori if you don't have all that understanding uh, of all the other things as well. So I, I definitely, fr from from that I can see, I can understand what you mean in terms of you, you can't have one without the other. Uh, yes, I, I wondered for, for businesses and organisations who are listening to this podcast or contemplating trying to go on a journey to be better in terms of understanding Māoridom, mm -hmm. why do you think it's important for them to consider becoming tiriti-led institutions? Mm. Why is that an important okay. part? I'll just go back one step um, to where I was talking earlier about um, the importance of te reo. te reo and tikanga. You know, te reo and tikanga, they grow out of Papatunuku, you know, that they, indigenous to this country. And I think the beauty of, of te reo and tikanga is that I think um, the culture, especially the recent uh, new immigrants, have come to realise the importance. You know, we've lived with, um, you know, with our 
uh, treaty partners for the last hundred and something. And, you know, kind of things have been just sort of so-so, you know, just our things have been sort of shoved to the back or not being shown, seen to be of any importance. But increasingly, I think it, it's taken people from overseas to really... Um, to, to remind us of the value that Māori bring to this country, you know, not only in terms of trade and economy, I talked about Dubai and they're interested in us as Māori and, you know, not, you know, they want to deal with people, people. It's it's just not the business thing. They start with the people. But, you know, I think what people um, are, are realising is, and what, what, what uh, it's why it's probably, acceptable acceptable increasingly to people in New Zealand is that um, it's it's the common denominator you know like you couldn't really you know we've had Christianity and English here but you know in terms of all the other cultures and the other uh, the languages that they realize that you know with Maori you, you we are inclusive and um, that we are here for everybody you know the treaty was actually an immigration document so we are here, and you know, you, we see it with the Christchurch shooting and this incident. How Maori came to the fore. You know, it was just part of our, you know, being part of the land. We had Maki. that right, and we had that ability, and we had those protocols that enabled us to do those things, to step in, to go there, do the haka, do karakias, and to support those people. You know, there was a Muslim population. No judgment over anything. We were there to totoko. And, you know, in response, we, we've seen the the wonderful, um, you know, those are the very people who who appreciate us for the tikanga, for these, these um, how we behave in these situations, you know, our, our concern for humanity and, you know, and, and our protocols of karakia, manakitanga, you know, speech making and, um, you know, but, basically embracing people in times like that. And there have been a number of incidents in the last couple of years where, you know, I think if we were in, a not, in just any country in the world, um, any other country, um, you know, if it wasn't the Māoris, you know, if, what, if we weren't here and part of the land, we couldn't, uh, it would not necessarily offer it in such a manner. And I think we have a huge contribution and it's been exemplified, you know, by our, our people's actions, regardless of the tribe, that we, we have a special role to play here. And I think increasingly people from overseas and more from Kiwis are starting to realise really what we have do have to offer. And, you know, it's it, we have something really, really special and unique to this country. So I think in terms, therefore, back to your question, um, in terms of businesses, yeah, this is the, the very reason. It's, it's to tie themselves to the land and to this country more, um, to the resource base, to Papatuanuku, because all the resources that, you know, um, the, the manufacturing industries and that they're, they're bringing these out of Papatūnuku, you know, into this environment. So people have to be mindful of mindful of that. Our regard for Papatūnuku, those resources, the extractive process, and all these, and then the, the whole the holistic approach in terms of in, the environmental approach. That that's major for us. You know, we we operate holistically, and I think we provide a good example to the world. Um, but so, you know, for obvious reasons, too, in terms of businesses and organisations, you know, to be up with the play, you don't want to be the only organisation that's dull in, in 1940s you know, mentality. We're in the 2020s now. Um, we're in a totally different world, and it's a world that appreciates difference and values diversity and it does value you know outside of the um the treaty being prominent in its own right you know legally you know uh, the legally um there's a requirement but just from a human point of view in terms of organizations and businesses being uh, you know dropping their facades that may be cold perhaps i don't know whatever non-maori or non-alluring to you know maori so Māori faces and advertising on websites, Māori staff, Māori language, Māori culture, proverbs, you know, these values, they're all really, really important now. And, you know, the rest of the world, um, you know, people from overseas recognise them and it's it's really, really good that, you know, places, you know, organisations like Te Pukenga, they're increasingly realising the values of these things and they're sort of insisting more and more that they be, uh, you know, instilled uh, embedded into organisations, you know. Like I'm still smarting though that 
literacy and numeracy is really, really poor still. In fact, numeracy, I heard yesterday on the radio, is plummeting in New Zealand. But, you know, not just for Māoris, but generally. But, you know, literacy and numeracy is really one of the things that appears to be holding our people, Māori, back from really uh, blossoming. You know, the ones who blossom, blossom. Kura Kaupapa and those models, you know, we saw a report last year, 40 years uh, of Kura Kaupapa, whatever, Kohangareo, they were starting to realise that the total immersion model is, you know, we are finding that success for Māori, Māori succeed and flourish in those environments rather than a state non uh, a non-bilingual or multicultural environment that where the value of the real is not necessarily um, high. So you find that that schools that are kurukopapa, they're producing the winners. You know, these kids are coming out with two views of the world. They know two languages. The language is an insight into the Māori world, insight into the Pākehā world. So we've got kids who have a fully rounded 360 vision rather than maybe just a 180 degree vision because they can see two cultures within this country. So they, they become, become much stronger. You know, you know, places like St. Joseph's Māori Girls College in, in um, Green Meadows there in Hawke's Bay, you know, all these young Māori women, they're, they're one of the most uh, highly achieving schools in the country. They're, they're in the top echelons of uh, a high, you know, high pass rates, NCEA. They, they're in a, in a Māori environment. Um, they're having real, you know, for breakfast, lunch and tea. So they are feeling good. They're feeling positive. And those are the things, if we want to allure our Māori people into these uh, organisations, they need to see there's some brown faces there, that it's, you know, there's, there's something to to, to um, allure them uh, into the organisation. All these things are helpful. And I know that some people's pronunciation is, is still a little bit, like, shaky. Um, but, you know, like, I, you know, to me, I love it when people are making the effort, and and, um, and it's really, really good that there are so many people learning te reo Māori and being mindful and, and caring about our tikanga now and of the landscape, you know, the, the whole environment now. So it's just, it sort of doesn't just, it's not really confined. It's actually, you know, something that uh, it covers our whole lives. So, yeah, yeah, so I think it, it's important for the, those businesses and that to, to do that. I think as part of the business model in the world we live in, uh, I think it would be in their interest to, um, you know, to, to have more cognizance of te reo Māori and tikanga Māori and, and how they portray themselves to the, to the world. Because, you know, you know, people are looking at us and, you know, when my work with Ngā Pai Te Maramatanga, we had, you know, conferences, I, I was the conference organiser, we had people, 400 people from overseas, Indigenous people from, you know, all over the place coming with all their research ideas. And, you know, there's a whole lot of commonality and ideas and there's innovation and, you know, that's exciting. So they've got journals and all these sort of things and research, you know, there's a heaps of research um, and it's not just about, you know, the research is, is huge, but the Māori researchers, you know, obviously and there's someone was doing something on a bionic eye and someone was doing um, building houses out of um, out of um, uku. Uh, what's, uku is clay and, and flex fibre. These things, there's this, uh, such a huge array of, of um, project areas that Māori and Indigenous people across, and we link up to those people. We, you know, we're all known to one another. There's a whole network of people across the world because it's so easy now with internet, and I, because no more air travel for a while, but certainly internet keeps people really, really connected. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's. Um, I think it would be remiss of organisations not to be more, um, you know, forward in their promotion of te reo, tekanga and treaty as part of their business model, especially in the tertiary sector. It may be different in private business, but here we're working in, in you know, government-funded areas and the government is deeming the, you know, there are these uh, inequities that need to be addressed. And then, of course, you know, we have the policies like Taumai Te Reo by Honourable Kelvin Davis um, in terms of the, the importance of the reo in its own right. Yeah. So I can just blabber on for hours and hours here, Kim, about this stuff. <laughs> You've definitely got a passion for it. I, think I do. From my, from my perspective, I, I, I think that 
industry or the industry that HERA is servicing, I can see the real relevance of adopting a, a tertiary-led business as well is because, you know, we're seeing increasingly that the government is really holding this up. You know, we're starting to see a real movement towards respecting tertiary and the partnership that it calls for. And so we're seeing that weave through the living standards framework. We're seeing it weave yes. through all sorts of policies, um, in, in particular procurement, for example, with Vision Matauranga. So I think if you are a business and you, you haven't wrapped your head around it, it's going to be detrimental to you anyway because – you know, if you're a business that gets it, you're probably going to win work more um, yeah. in terms of government-led work. Um, you're probably going to look like a more attractive employer to other Māori who, let's face it, probably going to become a massive part of our future workforce. And as yes. you said earlier, Māori want to work in places where they see themselves being. And mm. if there are no other brown faces that's probably not an organisation they see themselves being in. So we really yes. do have to go on this journey to adopt adopt more Māori cultural practices, more real Māori in our communications yes. and, and whatever we're doing, um, and getting our, our existing teams to start going on that journey so they buy into it and um, it, it is a genuine thing within an organisation, not a tick box. Yeah. So I... Yeah, I can't see a world where it wouldn't be a good thing for an organisation to 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 really start to embrace it and think about how how it will impact their business. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Joe today. If you'd like to connect more with him, you'll find his details in the show notes. At HERA, we have been very fortunate to collaborate with Joe on our journey to embrace Mātauranga Māori, Tikanga Māori and Te Reo Māori in the mahi we do. He is well respected and the Mātauranga he holds a real treasure and we love that he is a part of the words we weave in our communications. With that, I'd like to finish off with words from Joe pulled from the podcast. I am really immensely proud that people are valuing Te Reo Māori and of course that they are beginning to understand that Reo is the gateway to Tikanga and Mātauranga as well. Food for thought till we see you next time. So hit subscribe and if you liked what you heard today, please like, review or share with any metalheads you know. Let's spread the word. At HEDA, we are really committed to meeting our obligations under Tatiriti and also to raise the mana of Mātauranga Māori, Tikanga Māori and Te Reo Māori within our workplace. To find out more about what we are doing in this space, you can find more information on our website. The link is in the show notes.